Human design is an amalgamation of several facets of spirituality. The I Ching, astrology, chakras, Kabbalah, all combine beautifully into one system. Mary Rose and Mary Letitia have been exploring their own designs for the last year. This podcast is an extension of that exploration. Come learn, laugh, and grow with us as we become Guided by Design. Happy second day of fall. Yes, it's so brilliant. Yesterday was a gorgeous day as far as weather is concerned. It was. I kept the windows open all day long and really just, it was, it almost got a little warm. Uh-huh. It hit 84 at one point and I decided to drive the car that has no AC because it's the first day of fall. Who the fuck needs air conditioning. <laughs> Turns out a couple customers by the time it hit 84 did really want some air conditioning, but I'm like, look, we've got these beautiful windows. Look, look to your left, look to your right. There's a window. <laughs> um, Elora didn't want to go to her cross country practice because she, well, there was a couple of things going on, but she had homework was specifically one of the reasons, but I made her go for a run by herself. And so she got out there and She's like, yeah, I ran for a while. She's like, I ran three miles, but it got really hot. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that that does suck when you're out in weather, like this beautiful weather that's hot as hell. Well, and it's just that peak of the day where it gets hot. Probably what what would you say from like three to five? Yep. And that's exactly when I made her when I was like, you probably should go out there and get that run done. Go do it. Go run. In the heat of the day, dear, go run. Go run. You need to get it done. I was like, and I made her text her coach herself and say that she wasn't going to make it to practice because I'm like, I think you should go. But if you don't, if you can't go or you you don't think you can, then you better go ahead and be, you're going to be the one to text her and tell her that. I don't want to. Yeah. I mean, her job is to develop a relationship with that coach. So Mm -hmm. good job, mom. middleman because it's not your job I just had to basically give her permission to stay home was what I told her she texted (laughs) me before she came home and said can I skip practice I well she told me what the reason was and I said okay well we'll just decide when you get home I didn't say yes or no I said we'll decide when you get home so um what you've been listening to hmm Uh, one more Shanani Laura before we before we get yeah. going just because so do you notice a giant difference in her sleep patterns when she doesn't take that run is that why you decided to go ahead and no it's mainly that she's got a race on on Friday so, oh, so she just yeah and I knew that she would be doing they had a specific run that they were doing at North Park yesterday and that she wasn't going to be there to do that run. So she, I just wanted her to get a few miles in because she has a, a race in Butte on Friday. But her sleep pattern, I mean, definitely, she does have, um, I mean, she sleeps so much better when she's, when she runs. So, I mean, it wasn't, but that wasn't my decision making. I just, that was more so that I wanted her to kind of have, um, have that those miles under her belt it's really just about mileage for me 
I see. I see. I just thought I'd ask because we're talking about energy. Yeah. Energy and sleep are going to be big topics today. Um, but yeah, what have you, what's been in your ears or what really in your ears? I I saw a pod this week, of course. Oh, I did too. It's society. And I freaking, I do love that movie. And I love the way they tore it apart Mm -hmm. because Things are different as we get older, are they not? Like oh. you, you see that as a teenager, and you're like, "Yes, a rebel." And and I love how Danielle talked about. I didn't relate with this character. <laughs> yeah, he was a white rich boy. <laughs> yeah, and, but at the same time, when we're young, we really do feel that that just sense of energy of of you know rebellion and this and that and she's like it's just different when you get older mm-hmm. I have to confess I've never seen Dead Poets Society I've only seen it when I was about 15 years old yeah so I now think I that, that would have been about the age that I saw it was about 15 I remember I mean it was very much of the time that I was a t- that I was like in middle school because I think they said it was made in like what 1989 yeah. And Ethan Hawke was like baby Ethan Hawke in it. Um, that it was, I remember the movie in like magazines, like you'd get like 17 magazine or something. And it talked about dead poet society and, but I just never watched it. And so that was really, that was the only real exposure. I knew a little bit about the story, but I'd never seen it. And then the other one that they talked about the movie that was from the sixties, um, with Malcolm Mc- Malcolm McDowell, is that? I think that's his name. See, and they talked yeah, about yeah. Clockwork Orange. I've never seen Clockwork Orange. No, I've never um, seen that. But I, but what I know that guy from is that there's a show on Amazon called Mozart in the Jungle, which is fabulous. Uh-huh. It's about um, the like this the symphony, the New York City Symphony. And a guess, how they got a, a guest conductor. It's just, it's really, it is really good. Um, kind of funny, but it's, you know, I love, I, it's kind of like the inner underbelly of, you know, how you see a symphony and you think, oh, oh my gosh, all these people are artists and they're performers and, you know, they must be like, they're just as fucked up as everybody else. They Really, they are. They can be petty. They can be. You know, there's just, they're, they're not, don't put those, don't put people in an orchestra on a pedestal, please. Um, <laughs> or a symphony, but it was, just it was, people. they have great talent. <laughs> exactly. They're just people. They have great talent, but they, um, but he was like a, one of the, one of the conductors. And when I say that, I think of Mr. Conductor from the TV show. There was like some railroad rate, like railroad TV show. I can't remember what it's called. Um, everybody will be screaming it when they listen to this episode. Cause it was George, he, George Carlin was Mr. Conductor for a while. Um, Sunny time station, something like that. Um, anyways, yeah. that totally over my head. I have no idea what you're talking about it's, it's on PBS for a long time, but he was a conductor of an orc of the symphony before the guest conductor came in. So that's where I knew Malcolm McDowell from, but yeah, that one, I don't have any interest in watching that movie that they talked about. I mean, I like it when they talk about a movie that I've never seen, but that I still have zero interest in actually going out and watching because it's basically like they gave me the opportunity to watch it by describing it. 
yeah. I actually do really love the way they describe movies. I feel like most of the time I don't need to go watch it. Yep. If they've described it well and they they've never not. So I think that the one movie I've ever looked up on I am or on like Wikipedia because I was like the way that they described it made me kind of just curious about the things that they said that they wouldn't spoil and that was malignant. And that's because I will never watch Malignant. I will never watch scary movies. Doesn't matter how great they say that they are. Um, and so Malignant was the one that I, I did go read the Wikipedia page. Because that's what I do when I want to know the ending of a movie. But I don't have any interest in watching the movie. I didn't even think about reading the Wikipedia page. I go listen, I go watch the trailers, whatever they've got on you know, YouTube or whatever. But yeah. Um, was that what was that the one with the the mom? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually do really want to see that, and I also want to see the other one. Um, that's that's called like Mama. Ma, the one that they had Ma. that the guy came yes. on and talked to. Yes, like, yes. That that I started came. watching that. Actually, it was kind of a weird thing. I started watching that with somebody. And I had to leave, um, not because of the movie, but just because I, it was, I, whatever I was doing with that person was done. And so I didn't need to be there anymore, but, um, yeah, it's definitely kind of is uncomfortable. It's definitely one of those kind of creeper movies where you're like a little uncomfortable the whole time. Like, Ooh, this is not on the up and up. This person should not be hanging around these teenagers. Teenagers. And it's so creepy. I mean, you you lived in a small town, but you weren't really a partier. But I feel like every small town has one. Every small town has a an older man or an older woman that is doing some unscrupulous shit with some teenagers. Like, by yeah, there's like... Oh, and letting them party. And I mean, in my town, probably having sex with them. Yeah. So, yeah yeah i mean and these are like people in their 40s it blows my mind now that i'm in my 40s that anyone would have any desire to hang out with a group of teenagers like oh my god red flags red flags red flags but as a teenager you're thinking oh this this dude's pretty cool he's buying us alcohol letting us party at his place blah 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 Nah, now that I'm older, I'm like, what in the actual fuck? Yeah. No, I, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, that might have been the case, but I think there were just more parents that would just let their kids party at their house more so than parents that were like trying to have sex with the kids, you know, maybe they might have, but I just know a lot of people that their parents seemed like the cool parents that would be like, that might be smoking weed with them or they might be, um, you know, might be partying with them a little bit, but mainly it was like, they just let the kids have people over at the house and they'd get wasted. Yeah. And we definitely had a couple families like that in both of my little towns I grew up in, but there was also the 40 year old. Yeah. 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 And I would never put a, put a sex on them because I, I've met women and men and I just think it's super gross. That's true. (laughs) True. Well, I'm, I guess I, and yeah, you're right. I wasn't a partier, so I never was in the position of, you know, being around people that maybe had those intentions for teenagers. Mm-hmm. And now, yeah, like you just said, now that I've even just after substituting for eighth grade for a couple of days, I'm like, uh, no, I would never voluntarily 
spend time with children that are not my own unless I was being and then <laughs> children of my friends or I was being paid. paid. <laughs> so speaking of that, how 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 do you feel after, you know, what, six, seven days of of that? Well, that's actually going to be part of like my conversation around energy too, is like what it takes out of a projector and the awareness that I have now of what my, um, what my limits are. And, and, you know, and honestly, I have to say my, my job with subbing was so not the norm because the person I was subbing for really had no knowledge that she would be gone for, for as long as she was. So I think in most situations, a lot of planned absences for a teacher, they're going to have lesson plans laid out and you're going to know what you're supposed to be teaching the kids and you're supposed to be doing some of the work. And I really just felt like in this case, I was just there to make sure that they didn't steal things out of the classroom um, and to, to make sure that they were in class. And I, and I feel kind of bad and I'm, I'm definitely not like going to stress myself out over this. Cause I know that the teacher that I subbed for was appreciative, but I just, I kind of felt like, um, I really didn't do much and I don't know if I should have done more because I didn't like make the kids show me that they'd done their work. I mean, they're eighth graders. They've been doing this long enough that I was kind of like, you know, if it were my daughter, we'd find out when the missing grades or when the grades came out that she hadn't been doing her work. And then it would be up to her to get that shit done. Yeah. So I wasn't really like, I did kind of threaten once that they needed the two boys wanted to sit together. They had to show me proof that they'd actually done their work because they were pulling my, pulling my leg, trying to tell me that they were getting their work done. There was way too much giggling happening for me to (laughs) work done. Well, let's go ahead and segue in um, and get started. If that's part of your conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. So today's episode is going to be, we're calling these kind of shoot the shit episodes about different topics. So they're not going to be researched and they're not going to be, they're going to be pretty uh, candid and on the fly about different topics, but we wanted to talk about energy and kind of what we, you know, we talk about it so much, but we kind of wanted to actually, um, have a a discussion about like what we mean and what does energy kind of mean for us individually as um, both for our human design and just for our, our day to day. So let me get some coffee. Why don't you kick it off with a little bit of your, your take on energy, Mary? Well, I kind of wanted to start or, and you're probably going to have to help me out with this. Um, Like, what do you mean? What do we mean when we say energy? What does that mean? Um, and I was thinking about this cause I was like, shit, I'm not going to be prepared at all. I don't know what, I, you know, what I'm going to talk about. But last night when I was kind of pondering this, I was like, you know, for me, especially because now that I have this awareness about human design for me, a lot of it has to do with, um, the way I w- move about the world like that, that for me is part of my energy is what it takes for me to be able to 
get certain things done and do certain things and what I need to do to make sure that I have the energy to do that. So some of it is kind of like still the, the scientific definition of, you know, something that we burn, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, like, I could probably look up the scientific definition, but I'm not going to, but you know, it's something that is, it's what kind of propels us through our day to some degree. And yesterday I made it a really big point after that many days subbing to just rest and not expel energy. I mean, I did things around my house, but that's very different from going out and interacting. Like I, I had done some stories last night and I said, you know, I was dealing with different auras, so many different auras in a day, even if we were a distance away, like connection with the eyes is one thing, like connecting our eyes, looking at them, there was an exchange. And so that exchange of energy, um, you know, I did feel a little bit like I keep talking about this, what we do in the shadows, there's the energy vampire, Colin Robinson. He's so funny. Um, where his eyes glow when he's sucking the energy out of someone. And I think my eyes probably glowed when I was getting a kid to change their behavior just with my eyes. Yep. Stop doing <laughs> what you're doing. Um, but um, so as, as a projector, you know, a lot of my, a lot of my um, awareness is around, do I have the energy to do this? And I kind of think subbing is going to be one of those things that I'll have to experiment with. And, you know, I don't, I don't think that it was too much what I did over the last, you know, over the course of my subbing, but I do know that it definitely um, after that, I, I kind of had to really let myself empty out and that can be hard because I felt like there was so much I was neglecting to be subbing that I really felt a lot of pressure to, to do something yesterday, like that all these things, you know, from the perspective of my human design workshop or, you know, trying to recruit or not really recruit, but trying to like initiate people to want to start doing something with Beachbody, all of that. I was just very aware that I, I didn't have anything to give to those things yesterday. Even if I wanted to, even if I felt the pressure, the the transits going on right now, there's this pressure I'm feeling to work like a manifesting generator. And I, I just, I knew that I would be able to do that better if I really gave myself an entire day of, of being playful. I listened to some clubhouse stuff about human design and just dicked around. I just feel like I dicked around, which can fuck with our heads sometimes if we're if we're really conditioned to think that fucking around is costing us something so I tried not to think about that very much no I would agree uh with that the the resting taking that time to rest is guilt-ridden sometimes for myself um even after I work a 12-hour shift I mean I worked 12 hours yesterday I Oh, I, I did take an hour break. And you know what I did during that hour break? I ran out to Bridger and got my son's dog and their LLC paperwork so that I could help them finish that up. Then I finished out my 12-hour shift. And when I got home, I was so guilt-ridden from not doing other work that hasn't been done that I spent about an hour and a half like doing other work. And then I was like, I really should have rested. 
but today I will be able to, to properly get back into a routine, but that's what I'm finding with my energy. Um, it, energy to me is something that we create and we expel. So we, we create our own energy. Some people add to that energy and some people take away from that energy. Would you agree with that statement? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I feel like that's why so much of what we do in the mornings is, um, is kind of a transfer like I actually do get um, a hit of generator sacral energy in the mornings, which kind of, I mean, I can get up and do my shit without being on the zoom call with you every day. But at the same time, it is part of, part of my process is, is getting up and using, utilizing your sacral energy. Um, so there is definitely an exchange that, that happens. And um, yeah. And then I, I sometimes wonder because I don't have that, that that same energy like where what energy do you get from me not not like you have to answer that question right now but that's like that the curiosity is like if I know what I'm getting I wonder what you're getting hmm. and which which is guidance I think that it's mainly I like think it is mostly guidance and and allowed to be able to a lot of times I'm pent, I'm pent up in some way, in some form, and you allow me to release on a energy level a lot of times, similar to our conversation this morning, mm -hmm. especially if I'm upset about something or something stressing me out. I feel like you allow me to release that energy into the world without it affecting any important parts of my life. And you can also then turn around and go, hey, have you looked at it this way? <laughs> have, you, have you had perspective from a different angle than your anger or your excitement or your whatever it is that I am spewing out at that point? Um, and I think that that's a lot of what I get is that guidance. And that is guidance. It is really like, hey, um, <laughs> maybe you shouldn't get real mad and react right now. Maybe you should think on this or maybe you should take a, a minute and. Uh, Remember what it was like for you at someone's age or at someone's maturity level. Yeah. And don't forget that sometimes we all have those things. And I think that that's what, what, what also brings me back to the table. So, so eagerly is the, the recognition that I get like the energetics of my, of my, of my designer, that recognition and the invitation are so important and that feeling recognized for that advice that I give or for that guidance is it's so addictive like I'm <laughs> addicted to to getting recognition but not in like a not in a a detrimental way just in a in a way that we, when you when a projector and a generator find themselves in a relationship together where they can be open and especially because our dynamics you know we've been friends for so long and we just truly enjoy each other's company and conversation that that really I think plays a significant role as well like I I just Mary and I have known each other for a very long time now like it's upwards of Coulter's 12 so it's 11 years because I started um, working with you when when Coulter was just a baby yeah I was thinking about that the other day I'm like it's been over 10 years for sure yeah and there's no one I like literally don't talk to anybody as much as I talk to you <laughs> I, I probably don't either. Even well, our 
significant others that we live with probably get less like full on conversation than we give to each other. <laughs> and that's the truth. That is the truth. Well, I feel like your experiment in energy has gotten to, you've gotten to see a little bit about what I experienced while I'm in the cab. You, you had to deal with the same different or the same multiple different auras in one room, which is, is different. And that exchange of energy. But when I'm driving taxi, like yesterday, I mean, I probably had 25 people in and out of my cab, you know? And so that exchange of energy can be really, really um, draining as well. And I, and I, I really am very blocked most of the time because I, I understand that my energy is very um, important and that I need to not use it all up all of the time. So I feel like um, most of the time I keep things very... Um, you're rash. You try to ration it. Yes, I ration it. I put it out in rations. But there are people that really get to me, and um, I really was kind of holding up this. I've been wanting to talk to you about this for days, but I I knew that there was going to be a point where where we could discuss it, and it was super useful. Um, because we were talking the other day, just on a regular phone conversation, about um, kind of our intuitiveness and and how we pull emotions sometimes from other people or can feel those emotions and I've noticed that in the, in the cab and I know that that's another form of energy that we're exchanging is that emotional energy and there are and specifically with women with me but if I open up a certain conversation or or start out a conversation in in certain ways I've found that there are people that just feel the need to unload on me yeah it's like it's like I've opened some sort of energetic door that people will tell me I'm not kidding the most personal things and I feel it with all of my emotion and and that is something that I've learned to shut off from most people but especially women and I found the older I get it's older women there are, there are certain times, like yesterday I had a gal, I took her up to the airport and she was just so upset. And I could tell immediately that she was upset <clears throat> and she was flying out somewhere. And, I'm, I, you know, sometimes that's a sticky question to get, you know, into if they're, if somebody's dying or, you know, if they've got to go to a stressful situation. Well, she found out her four month old grandbaby has COVID. Mm. And she's like, I hope you're not an anti-vaxxer. She's like, because I'm so sick of those fucking people. Oh, no. And I said, absolutely not, ma'am. I'm fully vaccinated and I'm a mask wearer. And I think everybody needs to do their part in this. Everyone needs to do their part. We are all humans and we need to care for other humans. And she goes, oh, thank God. Thank God there's other people. She's like, because I am just over it. I'm so over, like, how does a four-month-old baby get COVID? Well, her mom works for Head Start, and she got it from a five-year-old at Head Start who can't be vaccinated. Yeah. And her, her mom's like, but those fucking parents can be, can't they? The grandparents can be. How did the five-year-old get COVID? You know what I mean? She's, she's, she's just really upset about the whole spreading and how quickly that happens. And this isn't like, they're in a tiny town. They're in Glendive, Montana. It's not very big. So 
once it starts to spread into someplace like a head start, mm-hmm. you know, that that's, that's huge for a small town. So, I mean, she may have told anyone all of this, but the way that she cried about her four month old baby, which really got me <laughs> the grandbaby piece, because I am scared for my own grandbaby and it is emotionally. And it's like, she could feel that she was talking to somebody who knew exactly how she was feeling. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's, I think the, the thing about the cab and you don't have any control over the types of energy that come in. And that's like the hardest part is that it's different when we're in in an industry where we can control who we interact with and who we have those energy exchanges with. And, you know, I will say like my ability to control who I interact with is part of the reason why I feel like I have been able to thrive differently in the last year is that I no longer am in, you know, no one is entitled to a piece of my time unless they're willing to pay me for it or unless they're willing to recognize me for it. And even then I get to choose, I get to choose who I interact with. And it was interesting because yesterday we were on, I was listening to that clubhouse, um, which clubhouse is basically like a live podcast that doesn't get recorded of people talking about a certain topic in case anyone doesn't know what clubhouse is. And I've, I've never really been a participant, but I, yesterday I finally spoke in, in a, in a meeting and um, just for a second, but I had, um, they were talking about profiles and I'm a one, three, you're a two, four. And what they were talking about yesterday was like the one, three is really needs to try, you know, they have this need to experiment and kind of like a, a, a propensity for failure where failure isn't seen as a negative. It really is kind of part of, part of the process for someone that's a one, three, And it kind of brought to mind, like my previous employer that I worked for, I was always having different kinds of ideas for different things that could be done, um, different ways that we could do something. And one of the things that was so difficult for me was that I was working for people who were like, well, that's a great idea, but can you prove that it will work? Can you quantify what will, you know, basically like wanting proof that before we could allow it to fail, which is against the idea, which is really against the whole concept of what science is about. Isn't that interesting? It is. I was just thinking that same thing because I'm like, how do you prove it works without trying it? Yeah. It was experiment. Yeah. The first thoughts that came to my head as you were saying that, and you're working for a science-based company. Yep. It was. And so I was kind of like recognizing yesterday that 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 really I mean, and not to say like I should have realized it earlier, you know, you get you have a job that you feel like you have to have because you need it to pay your bills. I, you know, that's definitely like where my mind had been at. But it, it was it was so frustrating to me that I could see the potential impact like I have like almost a sixth sense for the ways that what my what my ideas can do and that needing to be able to prove something before I could actually test it it just kind of I mean it just reinforced to me the importance of knowing knowing more about what what kinds of energy you you have and what you're dealing with because 
like I didn't know at the time, I didn't know for a long time that that was probably a sign. I mean, it was a clear sign that I was not in the right place, that they could appreciate what I could do to, only to some degree. And they did. I mean, I'm not saying that they were monsters and didn't recognize me in other ways, but like, no, you know, very rarely did something that I suggest ever fail. That's and, what I'm just thinking. You know, I don't think I've ever questioned your ideas. I mean, it probably like a little bit when we worked at EBMS together, but like as we coached people in the last few years, like when you're throwing out ideas, I'm writing that shit down. Never once did I think that won't work. Mm -hmm. Like your, your mind really does focus in a way that goes, no, this, this is what, this is what you need to do. And any of our clients who did what you told them to do were successful in that area. <laughs> well, so admit, not all my ideas are, are a hundred percent. I mean, there no, are times just things that are, are, that they'll say, yeah, that won't work for me. And I'm, and that's okay. Like I'm willing to accept it. You know, most of it is you don't want to do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. You know, it's not that it won't work. It's that you don't want to do it. Let's start from a place of, of not bullshitting each other <laughs> and then we'll move forward. But um, yeah. And I think that that's one of those things is, is if you constantly feel like you are being, um, I wouldn't even say questioned, but that your judgment isn't being trusted I mean, that would have been for me a, a big reason why I couldn't trust my own judgment is because other people weren't were willing to trust my judgment either. And how much of that we take on because, oh, I'm getting a call. I'm going to get calls for substitute jobs, but I, I look online, so I don't need it. I don't need to answer calls for substitute jobs. I look online. Um. So and you, so we've talked about with the cab, let's talk about just for a couple of minutes, like energetics of um, like the people. So we have the people that we choose that we kind of have to be around for, for work. What about the energetics of family? Because obviously we, we, you can pick your nose and you can pick your friend's nose, but you can't pick your family. I'm just kidding. I just <laughs> That's funny. Um, well, I, I watched my little manifesting generator go through a cycle of crazy energy this week. Um, and we really, we are alike in so many ways, but I really, I feel like I, and again, helping with guidance from you, I feel like I handled it a little bit better than I would have in in the past energetically, like feel like by the end of the day, her ass had calmed down and could understand what she'd done wrong versus me being drilling her into it, you know, like, <laughs> Oh no, I've never done that in my whole life. Yes. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> um, my, my uh, generator ass really like driving it home over and over and over again. Um, instead I was able to just have a quick conversation with her, um, considering that I was really angry energetically the night before at her, um, and not make her feel hopefully any certain way about me in the situation. It really just reflected back so that she could evaluate her, her process and how she, 
really energetically needs to calm down sometimes <laughs> or learn how to control those emotions as they're flighting out all of her pores. Yeah. Because she, yeah, I'm sure it's just like we become electrified mm-hmm. by our really like, you know, we feel this when, you know, that's why orgasms feel so good. That's why they're so electrifying. Like we, when we have intense emotion, it's very, that's is part of the energy is it is electrifying to us. Um, but yeah, it is, it is really about like being able to say, if I'm going to be electrified by this, I need to be able to control the current a little bit mm-hmm. and not let the, the current control me. Yep. And, you know, she, it's a, such a learning process. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to take so long for her to really even, I mean, God, we're 40. And so that's like 40, no. and you're 41. I'm going to be 41 in just a couple months here. And so it's like, how do we help kids that don't have the same brain, you know, we were talking about that with, um, you know, just the neofrontal cortex and stuff. I say that like I know what I'm talking about, but just like that underdeveloped brain that that takes years to actually finish developing, um, you know, how do we encourage them to, you know, feel the feelings, but don't don't feel like you have to act on every single one. Mm-hmm. Because really, it's like that wanting someone to know that you're pissed, wanting someone to know what they did wrong, wanting someone to know how they hurt you are now, as we're seeing, they're just so unnecessary to our own healing. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think the, the, the lesson that, that, you know, we're kind of learning through life is that, yeah, it's, that's for, that's just, that's all mental. Yep. It's all, it's all our, our own self-importance. Yep. It's, it's so, very much. You know. I, I did say that to, I had to drive around uh, one of my newer employees and he's young, like Emily, I think he might be a year older than her, but still super young, not fully developed in the frontal cortex. Um, and, and I remember, and I said that to him, I was like, he said something about how bad his anxiety is and how he's always worried that people are watching. I said, well, that's, that comes with, with age that will subside because you'll realize that human beings are too selfish to be watching you. They're all the star in their own movie. There are all the starring role in their own movie. Nobody's paying any attention to you. And, and that's a hard realization to make. Like the only Mm -hmm. one who cares as much about you as you think you do, as you think they do is you. Like you're the only, you're the one that's, that's, that's your inside voice saying that to yourself. Yep. Um, and, and I think that that's, that's a hard realization for kids to make is that you, the focus has been on them from their parents, from their grandparents, you know what I mean? And then as they become an adult, you're like, oh, wait a second. Why isn't everybody watching me? Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. I mean, they care. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that people don't love you and all those things, but as you become an adult, you get into that cycle of your own stuff and, and people just aren't paying attention period. Yeah. And that nobody really, yeah, exactly. I feel like that's, that, that's been a hard lesson for me because I am the star of my own show. And that's been a, you know, a big life lesson in friendships is 
thinking that people were doing things to like sometimes make me feel a certain way. And it's no, no, it's not, it had nothing to do with me and everything to do with like, I, I wasn't aware of what was going on in their lives just as much as they weren't aware of what was going on in my deep inner, inner psyche thinking that not choosing to be with me when they could meant that they didn't, you know, this, that, or the other thing. Mm-hmm. It, it was, I've, I've been that, that kind of like, little bitch sometimes just a little bitch about wanting people to be in my life and not really being and I guess that's the thing too I am aware of that to the point now but I still very much choose where I put my energy and there are people that I love that I am not putting any energy into and it's not it's not it's not a judgment on them it's not a judgment on anything it's just that is not where I'm at now and it's not it's not because I don't love them it's not because I don't have a genuine love and interest in what's going on in their lives it really is just that awareness that if if they want me I am available when you know I am available but otherwise I am really aware of the the time that I've gotten back from not putting myself in the position of always trying to be an initiator in relationships. And it feels kind of selfish sometimes. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it does feel kind of like, you know, maybe you should, maybe I should be reaching out to people more. And maybe that's true. Maybe I should be reaching out to people more, but I don't think it's a, I think that when I have a genuine, something to genuinely say or something to share I will. Mm-hmm. If I don't, I won't. And that is, and right now it's a, it's really leaning towards, I won't because I just, I, there are people like I will message on Instagram. I'll send something over to and know that it's, it's, we're in a reciprocal energetic relationship. And when I don't feel like it's a reciprocal energetic relationship for any reason, I'm not bitter about it. I'm not a bitch about it. I'm just uh, okay. Moving on. Let's 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 continue to keep pouring the time and the energy into the relationships where it it feels reciprocal, yep. and don't be a bitter little bitch about the relationships that have gone to the wayside because it doesn't feel reciprocal. I even had a, men- a moment about that with somebody like someone that I've known for a really long time that I genuinely love, but that I've been really aware that that person. Um, says that they really love me and then doesn't really make any effort to be in contact with me. And that's okay. I, I'm not putting expectations that they should. I'm just being aware of the fact that that means that I'm going to conserve that energy that I would put into being upset about that and spend it doing things, doing other things. Yep. So what advice would you give to people about energy to wrap us up today? Oh, well, I think it's, I think that a lot of energy is put into living up to other people's expectations of Mm -hmm. what you should be doing and how you should be spending your energy. And I think that my, my biggest piece of advice would be to really examine if you're doing things that you know are genuinely for you, or if you're doing a lot of things that are for other people, because you should like that when I said should 
Like the energy of the should is not good, good energy. No, agreed. I, I love that piece of advice. I think that that's such a good, useful piece of advice going forward. We've talked about shooting yourself to death. Like mm-hmm. you really should not. <laughs> if you should be doing anything, it's really being, being, you know, it's almost sounds trite, but being really true to yourself, mm-hmm. and knowing your energy type and knowing like, what that means like an open energy type like you are very open and that is probably why you have such a hard time with so many energy fields in a day your openness makes you like and i am and that that to me when we talked about that yesterday is you're like you have to block and i naturally block i'm Mm -hmm. a repelling aura or i'm a penetrating so i i i don't get penetrated well i do but not by people's energy. Um, but that is a big thing is like, if you're open, you know, what, what does that mean for, can you control the, the energy types that are going to be exposed? You're going to be exposing. And sometimes you can't, but that might be an indicator that those days you have to be, you have to really be open, like let that heart open and try to approach it with more love, less, Oh God, I hate that I'm going to be in the cab with all these assholes that fucking, you know, have opinions that are (laughs) wildly different from me. Be like, who assume again, because I was raised here that I'm going to have the same opinions as those. (laughs) Yeah. Trust me. Yeah. Just because we're from Montana does not mean that we have a quintessential Montana opinion. So please please do not put preconceived notions into your own heads about that. Y'all. Agreed. All right. Well, I think that we did a good job. Oh, I'm excited about that. I always think we do a good job though. (laughs) I listen. I know we do a good job. (laughs) All right. All right. Thank you for today. I appreciate it. It was great. Wonderful. All right. Love you. We'll see you all later. Bye.